0: Long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMen'sHealth.com or call 833 687 0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833 687 0700. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700.
1: Obviously, the biggest story right now is Hurricane Harvey and the effects that it's had on the southeast region of Texas and Houston, Corpus Christi and in the surrounding areas. And from that, you have these secondary stories from talking about Joe Locene or President Trump. And we'll talk about that for a little bit. And also we have Jimena Pareto with Republican Chick with us. All of that on this episode of Trend Chat. Stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us, whether on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, it's all the same name, Trend Chat 24-7. And if you want to read some of my articles with Politichicks, just go to politichicks.com slash author slash Brian Bledsoe. Also, don't forget about the new book from Politichicks called Politi- well, it's called Politichicks, A Clearing Call to Political Activism which is available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. So, it's been a while. I know I did an episode on Saturday, but that was like kind of the first time I actually went through the whole intro and everything. Just like It hasn't been that long, but for some reason I feel like I'm having to relearn some things. Even doing this episode right now, we're broadcasting from Little Rock, Arkansas today, and it just... The prep, for some reason, took longer. The process of doing the podcast is not that difficult, <laughs> but I guess I just got into the routine, so it was kind of real easy to just hop in and do it, and then once you stop doing it, you got to remember, oh, okay, this, I did this and that and whatever, but either way, glad you're listening, and like I said, we have Menableto and to speak with us for a couple of minutes, and... We'll get to that interview momentarily. And I just, like I said, I mentioned there was some secondary stories because obviously the big story right now is Hurricane Harvey. And first off, hopefully everybody is, you know, doing well, you know, depending, you know, given the circumstances and just in a way, you know, we can help. You can help. I would encourage you to do it. Me as a truck driver, there are opportunities to whether get loads to drive, you know, bottles of water or food or, you know, the emergency supplies down there. And I don't know as far as the company I'm driving for what we're going to do or at least what I might do, because if they do something, then they'll either send I guess it won't be sending me, maybe. It could send somebody else. So, I don't know. I'm just kind of looking and wondering if they're going to do a thing. If not, then I just, you know, continue on with my job. And I'm pretty sure there's some, plenty of companies, plenty of people out there doing things. And just, in a way I could help, I would definitely, I'm looking into whatever. Right now, it's kind of looking in more just donating more than anything. But uh, as of right now, definitely, if if I got a call saying from the companies, do you want to take this load down to corporate? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting on your call, actually. <laughs> so, But um, until then, everyone that is down there now or going down there and just pray everybody's is doing well and pray for the people who are out out there helping uh, people in their homes and just starting to recovery right now. So, and even though you have this hurricane, this tragedy that has come across uh, Southeast Texas, you you have come across these other little stories. So, one story I was thinking about is with President Trump and the media and. It seems well. It's not surprising that the media has basically put, or at least trying to, and saying they're doing a good job at it. But this, this is what they're trying to do to put President Trump in a no-win situation. Basically, it's all—it's like a damn if you do, damn if you don't. So if you go down there, you know. I'm saying that he's already down there, but I'm—I'm I'm just saying how the media is trying to basically spin this to make president trump look i guess look bad in either way so he's down there in corpus christi today and they want to make it seem like well if you go down there you might be taking away resources and uh, or um maybe slowing down the recovery or whatnot if you go down there but then if he didn't go down there then they were like well he he apparently he doesn't care about the people down there because he don't have time to go down there so it just seems like they're basically trying to make a no-win situation for for President Trump if he goes or if he didn't go. But that being said, he went. He's there now. And, and well, he went to Corpus Christi. So that's, I can't say it's not bad, but that's that's where it hit first. So as far as taking away resources. Anyway, in using that excuse and probably saying that it's taking away resources okay it might for what a couple hours because it's not like he's staying there for days he's just in basically got in and out you know drop fly in basically look around (laughs) and get some words of encouragement and whatnot and then fly out that's normally how it works so it's not like it's going to be a huge burden if the um for the president come down there and like i said if he didn't they would be like well where is the president so everybody start thinking about that picture of president bush flying over when katrina hit and all that so so that's how i feel about what the media is trying to set up and not only with president trump also senator ted cruz is there too and i also i saw this little news clip of someone trying to use the vote against the Hurricane Sandy relief against Senator Cruz, even though they neglect to mention what was in that bill that had all this unrelated spending to Hurricane Relief. It had all this other pork, all this other spending that had nothing to do with Hurricane Relief in that bill. And so Senator Cruz voted against it for that reason. But again, media wanted to make it seem like, oh, well, he just voted against against that bill because he he didn't care, basically. And that's basically the, na- the narrative that the me- you know, mainstream media wants to paint conservatives, Republicans in general. So that. But in that clip, he actually he answered it you know quite well like he put out the facts and laid it out there and that was basically it but just to watch it and see how they were just i guess trying to have a gotcha question to um to send Cruz. it just in in the middle of this whole <laughs> tragedy with hurricane they <laughs> they just decided to come in with that just so they can try to make a point and score those grinded points with those with their liberal friends friends when they you know get off work. Oh you got him. You know <laughs> when they get off work they all you know go wherever. So, oh, oh that was a good one. <laughs> so and also in that you had this story with um Joel Osteen and I'm no fan of Joel Osteen at all. I think he does a lot more harm than whatever good people say he he do for Christianity. I think he does a lot of harm to the gospel. And so trust me, I'm no fan of Joel Osteen, but this whole story as far as him not um saying that he didn't open the doors of Lakewood Church, which is down there in Houston, um, <laughs> of all the things That I could criticize. You could be critical of Joel Osteen. I feel like this is like so low on the list. That it's not even worth talking about. No more than how many. I've talked about this for a minute. It's almost not even worth this minute I'm talking about. There's so much more. that is more offensive. that, that, That Joel Osteen has done. Just in the sake of Christianity. And to mention this. Whether he did or didn't. Yeah. This is a very low on the list. So but a lot of people talking about it. So this is trend chat. So I did want to at least speak on it and that's me speaking on it. (laughs) And so let's go go ahead and get straight to our interview with him. And like I said, in the introduction on the, when I saw the interview, I noticed her on Twitter, all these replies to um, all these liberals, like they were saying some of the most hateful, Hateful things to her and she was just replying back to him. And I was like, who is this? And, and, and looked into a bio and everything and said, you know, want to get a chance to speak with her. So that being said, here's our interview with Jimena. Welcome to trend chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe. And we are pleased to have Jimena Bretto, who is a writer with Republican chick. Well, I saw her first on Twitter Saw triggering liberals here and there, and I definitely wanted to talk with her. So, um, how you doing?
2: Good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I'm. I get to the triggering liberals later, but first I want to ask about your background.
2: Well, I, I'm off here on a visa, and then I got a work permit, and I went through the whole process, and then I did real estate for a while. After I got my citizenship, then I met. The father of my kids and then I had a daughter in two thousand eleven mm-hmm. so after that I just did a lot of volunteering work till right about now that she's in school again. So that's that's pretty much what I have been doing.
1: Okay, and I saw on your bio you said you've been conservative your whole life and and, yes, I, and you my could,
2: uh my family's the right wing.
1: <laughs> okay, and, and you attribute that to your uh I guess you you're in a military family.
2: Um, my dad was, yeah, and my sister is in the military, and my two brothers in law so yeah, I think that has to do a lot with it. but also Colombia is very religious, so i and I think it goes hand in hand, you know uh, okay. the relig- the conservative values, okay,
1: so I guess growing up it wasn't foreign, I guess in a way of of being conservative, growing up in Colombia as opposed to in other communities especially in minority communities i mean yeah. i mean you didn't have to as far as growing up you didn't do did you have like a lot of liberal family members or have to deal with a lot of not uh, really okay well that's,
2: not really so it's for me it's kind of hard when i hear and all these people harassing me because of my background when i grew up with people that everybody had like a similar mindset yeah. It wasn't until college that I realized there was some people that had, that were really liberal. Uh, but I think it's about respect to, you know, like, over there, like, you don't talk about politics that much.
1: Okay, and what did I you... I
2: think that this lecture changed that here.
1: And where did you go to college?
2: Oh, in Colombia.
1: Oh, okay, it was in Colombia, okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, so Wendy, um, when did you start the process to to come into the U.S.?
2: Well, I always had a tourist visa since I'm like a kid. My, my dad and my mom got it for me when I was a kid. But I didn't start till 2005. Then I came in 2006. And then I think I applied for residency like 2007. or Yeah, 2007. And then I became a permanent resident in 2008. And then my citizenship, I applied in 2010. Yeah, and, and now, I was naturalized in 2011, so it's been seven years.
1: Okay, and I saw that you said that it was kind of an exhausting process. So uh, I guess kind of, I guess kind of give give people that have no clue um, some insight as far as what someone had to go through as far as wanting to come to the country legally.
2: Well, see, the thing is, like, people say it's hard. Certain things are hard, but certain things are not. If you go on the USCIS website, they have every single form in every single language. So that part is easy. I didn't use a lawyer or nothing. I did it on my own. So that part, you can do it. The hard part is when you come in, you have to do medical tests. They send you to a doctor. Uh, then you have to do a bon- fingerprinting. And then you have to go through a bunch of interviews. Uh, with UCS people, I mean, they last hours, some of them. They just try to ask questions and repeat questions, so they make sure that you're not lying. Also, the way they do, they ask you, the bunch of forms ask you for, like, your history, where you live in the past 10 years, who were your friends, like, even the names of my teachers in college, things like that. The only thing that, that needs fixing, I think, is, We need more manpower because uh, when I apply, the field office, where the the process should take like five years from the time you start to become a citizen. It took seven, but they kept kept pushing and pushing my interview for my citizenship. So that, we need more people in order to to make this faster. Uh, But other than that, I I mean, it's frustrating because you go so much on the money, you know, and the time that you have to invest. Okay. Uh, so when people say oh you have no compassion and everything it's like well I put a lot of work to become a citizen you know so it is kind of like a slap in the face when pe- there's people that want to keep everyone here and see my thing is like I'm compassionate and I will be okay with the ones that are here already that are not criminals that don't have felonies or anything like that but go through the process you know like hey fix fix your status and pay and go through the same thing that I did, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I just don't believe, like, giving them a an amnesty and like, here, now you're a U.S. citizen. Like, that that's just a slap in the face for everybody that has done it the right way. Yeah,
1: and I, actually my next question was going to be about what is your opinion on the whole process, but you kind of just already answered it, that basically if, um, it's well, about manpower, that mm-hmm. you just need to increase the manpower. Is there anything else in particular you mm-hmm. think needs to needs to improve?
2: Well, see, I think my views have changed a lot because at first it's like, well, everybody should go back. But then I have a friend that works actually, and I have an immigration lawyer friend that she helps here in California, people to fix their status, and I have one of my friends uh, that works in Border Patrol. And I was like, well, they're criminals. They cross. Well, crossing into the country doesn't fall into criminal law. It's an administrative fine through uh, immigration so it's immigration law so they actually it's a misdemeanor it's not considered a felony so that's why they you know it, it's it harder to deport them for that reason and my opinion is like there has to be a system like a work kind of system that we make them work so they become citizens And then before the rest, the criminals need to go, you know, like how many people, there is a case that is ready to refer here in Southern California in September. This woman uh, was double the legal limit in California, left a hotel in the middle, like at four in the morning, and killed a 65-year-old man. So Mm -hmm. we have people here in Southern California defending her. And they don't want her to get deported. But why are they defending her? Because politicians here are thinking, well, if we allow this, they're going to start sending everybody. And there, there's people that have been, you know, like, I understand that there are some people that haven't gotten in trouble. And they probably pay taxes and, some, and contribute and whatnot. But they need to become legal, you know. Yeah. They have to. And that will help the economy, too. Think about it. $5,000, then they will get into, it's like about $5,000 per person. But I'm talking about like seven years ago when I applied, and I'm sure the fees have changed. Uh, but if we do that, because I also, when I was doing like the Latinos with Trump and going out and doing the rallies, I had many people come to me and say, hey, the only reason my family member is won't both for Trump is because the deportations cause Someone they know or someone uh, someone they know, someone from their church is illegal. You know, and I was like, well, at this point, very few people don't know. Everybody at this point knows someone that is illegal. I don't in my case. I actually don't. But, uh, you know, since the Reagan gave, gave amnesty, like at least one of the parents of someone that you know is illegal. So it's like we need to compromise on that and help these people uh, get a fixer status so we get more votes as Republicans, you know? Yeah. Because I really, I I would get tons of DMs like, hey, the only reason my family and vote is because we know someone from church that is illegal.
0: Mm.
2: It's stuff like that. So if we compromise on that, because Latinos are very family-oriented and, like, against abortion and everything. If we compromise on that, we will get so many votes, you know. But the ones that have DOIs and all of that, they they can send them back. That I have no issue. Yeah.
1: And you know, that, now, since I have you on right now, I want to, I guess, give this analogy that I've given before on the podcast and see what you think. Um, when it comes to immigration in particular, I kind of view it as basically for anyone can understand living in your your home, your apartment or something like this. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. the United States, it's not like there's a closed door saying that no one can come in. The United States is welcoming people to come in. It's just that people need to Mm -hmm. come come through the front door, like your house. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. and so and if someone do sneak into your house, then you have every right to feel like okay, why are you sneaking into my house? And then that kind of and you will feel like okay, one, you already have lost a little bit of trust in that person because they felt like they need to sneak into Mm -hmm. your house as opposed to as opposed to come through the front door. And that's kind of the analogy I kind of use as far as like everyone can can picture living at their house and and. Mm-hmm. kind of view immigration in that same light. I just want to ask your opinion about that analogy I make.
2: Well, but here is the thing, you know, it's like, I'm talking about the people that are already here. You got, have to think how much, fiscally, how much it will cost to deport every single person that has come in illegally. Like, that's that's unrealistic. That's not, And I understand, yeah. yeah, you broke one rule, there is not trust so maybe don't give them citizenship but maybe do a conditional residency you know there's different levels so maybe do it that way but for people to say oh let's support them all that's unrealistic that will cost millions of dollars and not only that how we're going to find them because they're not registered anywhere there's approximations but we don't really know how many we have but moving forward i I fully support the race ad because that's another thing like when you apply to come in into the country and all those forms, you have to present your and to get any visa like the word visa, you have to present your financial records. I had to prove that I was in a school at the time of, that I got my first visa, like your grades, everything, so moving forward I'm, I fully support the president with that like anybody that's in front this year until his, his, his last days in office, they need to vet them and make sure they're quality people because we're, I mean, there's not many people uh, in STEM jobs right now. We're outsourcing all those jobs to India, you know, and other countries. So if we make sure people that are, like, engineers coming in, then that will fix a lot of problems, you know. Yeah, and, you know... Uh, but, and, uh... but as far as, as far as the ones that are here, I just think it's unrealistic to the them all.
1: Yeah, and the analogy that I'm making it like it's not even going towards mm-hmm. uh on deportation. Like it's just the um the analogy that I'm making is basically just about immigration in particular, just you know, just the basic mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah, you it's cannot like,
2: trust them because yeah. they already violated your trust, that's very so I yeah. and I, I understand that, but maybe maybe give them a conditional residency, you know. And I'm talking about it has to be people that have never gotten a ticket even or lose their license. You know, it has to be really good people uh, that may be cross because they they weren't, like, going to get killed or something. But others that keep – I had, like, one troll the other day. She's like, well, my dad was driving without a license, and they deport him. I was like, well – he crossed once, that's the wrong, but then driving with an, without a license, then that's two things. Like, he needed his mm-hmm. he deserved it. Yeah. So, I think it has to be case by case and go from there.
1: Yeah. and uh, But well, they
2: have to pay. They cannot make it free for all these people because then that's not, then everybody that came here legally should sue and be like, I want my money back. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> yeah. Th- yeah. Now um when speaking of President Trump so you uh, were part of the Latinos for Trump um was it just in California or nationwide
2: It was nationwide and I, I worked for his campaign actually I did the I was the media uh coordinator for Southern California for the Trump campaign Okay well
1: I guess kind of two questions mm-hmm. so how how is it being a Republican in California and two how was it as far as being you know working for the Trump campaign
2: well working for them was amazing uh it was a, a lot of really good people they they gave me a lot of autonomy to do things so it it was really good to work uh with them you know i have worked i worked in the Ted Cruz campaign before the McCain unfortunately i volunteered in the McCain campaign <laughs> we forgive uh, you yeah yeah uh, <laughs> And and I think I mean the quality of people like I made friends for life like these people would be my friends for life you know it was a really good experience and then Latinos with Trump so I I really it's a great idea you know because think about we have Fox News but then there's not in as far as the Spanish there's not a lot of outlets that are unbiased you have Telemundo both of America. Univision, and all of them, like, you could have uh, Univision on Fox side to side, and Univision would say, he said that all of Mexicans are rapists. Like, they would manipulate all the information, you know? So I think creating the group was a great idea because we actually translated Trump's uh, platform. We translated some of his rallies and whatnot, and I think it really helped. So moving forward, we're going to keep, you know, doing that and reaching out more people.
1: So, so what was your inspiration to start Republican Chip?
2: Well, see, kind of like eventually, because I'm, I volunteer in a lot of military organizations, eventually I want to have a, a lot of my friends, their husbands have been uh, killed and in and mishaps and everything had to do with, uh, you know, like the budget cut, uh, sequestration during Obama and whatnot. So my my goal eventually is to have a nonprofit to be able to help uh, these women. And I'm actually working on a project because nobody knows this, but there's actually a widow's tax. When your husband passes away in the military, you kind of lose a certain – and this was passed a long time ago. Obama told them, oh, I'm going to repeal it. Hillary told them the same. Nobody has helped them. So I'm actually working with Heritage Foundation and them uh, trying to help them get rid of this. So if it, that's my goal: try to expose all the sins that a lot of people don't know about it. And that, it, it, yeah, in military spouses might be, and closer families might be a small portion, but they need a voice too. You know?
1: Yeah, and how So that far- was
2: kind of goal.
1: And so I think I saw that in your bio as far as that's something you want to start as far as the nonprofit. So how far have you gotten along as far as getting that started?
2: Well, I have people, I have people helping me, and and I have a few people that, like, lodgers that want to be involved and whatnot. The thing is that I'm going to relocate um, next year uh, in summer. So I'm waiting on that to finally, like, go ahead and start it. Okay. But I have, yeah, I have, like, the setup ready in paper. <laughs> so,
1: so uh, yeah. I guess kind of going back to what I mentioned at first, for me, I was just rolling through Twitter one day, and I saw your profile, and then you were uh, re- responding to someone. And so then I clicked on your profile, and I just kept seeing all these replies to all these different tweets. And I'm like, wow, you're really triggering all these liberals, <laughs> kind of like what I mentioned. And I was just wondering what was going on. So, so yeah, let me ask you, so, what, what all, <laughs> where did all that come from?
2: So I wanted – there was a Hispanic in the internet. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so sick of people telling us that where the race is, Nazis. Uh There were horrible people. So I'm like, I'm going to do a social experiment. Let's put pictures of Latinos with Trump in the hash supporting the president. The minute I put them, like, seriously, I had, like, a million notifications that night. Like, I had notifications in my phone, and it raised up and everything, because it was nonstop. And I'm like, and then they're like, you're a traitor, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, i they're like, Shame on you, you're gonna get deported. I'm like citizens cannot get the first of all, you know, shame on me, no, because I came here illegally, you know, and my my family is proud because they're they're conservative. Like the thing is like people try to put everybody in a box, you know. That's how the democrats are. They they're like, Well, if you're Hispanic you have to be a democrat and that's not true. Hispanics comes from different places different backgrounds and maybe it's a central america thing but almost everybody i have friends from chile brazil of course venezuela is another thing but like most of my friends from south america are very conservative very very conservative so these people is like well so don't say that you're Hispanic, uh, I can tell that you're and things like that. I'm like, do you think everybody's Mexican if they're Hispanic? Like, don't put us in boxes. And they're like, what about your people? I'm like, I'm a U.S. citizen. My country comes first. The day I got my citizenship, I swore loyalty to the United States, nobody else. And they're like, oh, is your family okay with that? I was like, of course. My family loves President Trump. (laughs) Like, they have no... No, I. it's like they're the racists. And they started calling me like, oh, uh, Uncle Tom and all these things. And I'm like, you know what? Then the next day I did a first cup, I'm like, we need to start calling them out. You know, like they're playing on the whiskey tax. We can do it again. Let's flip it on that, you know, and expose them all. Because they have met the media. We don't. So if we start exposing them on Twitter, someone, someone in the news will pick it up, you know. We need to hit them back the way they do it uh, to us.
1: Yeah, you know, and the fact that having us right here talking, you have a black conservative and you have a Hispanic conservative, I mean, that'll just blow the liberal Twitter's heads off.
2: Oh, and see, yeah, they're like, you're racist. I'm like, my daughter is mixed, and my daughter is, like, whiter than anybody that I know. Not only that, like, I sponsor black kids. I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm looking into going to Uganda on a mission trip. Like, these people are ridiculous. I was like, Donald Trump has helped many minorities. Nobody called him a racist till he ran. And why? Because Hillary invested, I think it was like $1 billion into smear campaigns.
0: They Mm -hmm. said, oh,
2: he's racist. Yeah. He's misogynist and all of this, but I'm like, who put him in the White House? Kellyanne Conway. All these women that help him.
1: Yeah. yeah and You I'll, know,
2: and like we, we'll, every morning we will have, when I work in the campaign, we will have conference calls, and the majority was a lot of women from all kinds of backgrounds.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and women like yourself as far as helping out in the campaign, so. One uh, one other thing I also saw on Twitter is a hashtag extortion seventeen. Now I don't know much about. It. I saw there was a book in connection with it, but give me all the details as far as um what this hashtag is about.
2: Sure. So extortion seventeen is the, was the call sign for a helicopter that was down in Afghanistan in 2011. Uh, the SEAL Team Six that was in charge of the Bin Laden ran. some of them, 31 people died in the helicopter. The thing that happened is why right, when Obama was seeking re election is when the raid happened, right? After that, do you remember uh, Panetta and Biden going in national television saying, oh, it was still Team 6. That's, that's what uh, allowed the Taliban to log them in and then Killed them on this uh, helicopter. The weird thing is, like, usually there was another helicopter that night. There was two helicopters, but last minute they put them all in one. There was also five avians on board that were changed minutes before. Like the crew was changed minutes before. So there is a lot of, and I, if you read the the congressional report uh, and the from the. From the accident, there is a lot of holes, and one of my good friends died. And i talked to some of the families, and there, there, it, it, it was a cover-up. It's what everybody thinks, you know, because they change never. You will never. film Six is like one of the, is probably the, the one of the most elite groups in the country as far as military, and they put them all in a helicopter someone in the military will tell you that they will never do that. They're never going to put their best people in one helicopter. And they did. They changed the, the Afghans last minute. And in the congressional report, the parents are, uh, when they went and did the hearing, the parents asked, who are these people? What are their names? Nobody knew. That nope. was one of the things. Also, uh, a few months ago, uh, Johnny Marquez, she she's uh, was an Air Force captain. She was in a sea one uh, in the area, and um, people on the ground were requesting help and telling her that uh, that the Navy seals were getting hit too. And she's like, "Well, I want to go, you know, because she, she she could help with her claim, And they deny her to go on help, and she's like, "That w- they got more there, and they probably." got murdered because what they got in the, from the Bin Laden raid. So um, I just you know, I just want answers for these families. It's personal for me because my friend died, and I want his parents and everybody else who's involved's parents to know the truth, what really, really happened. Because some of the bodies had bullet holes too. Mm. Okay. Uh, even though they, the helicopter was down with an RPG. So there is many things that don't make sense. Okay. Uh so also I'm friends with uh the uh, ambassador Steven Fiance and uh Patricia Smith lives here in Southern California, so I talked to them and we're doing this March on September tenth. It was gonna be nationwide but a lot of people back up because of Charlottesville. they're scared. Mm. Um so we're only doing Philly and then San Diego and Oceanside. So we're doing three. Uh, but the thing is, like, everybody's like, oh, you should not do it. And you know what? I was like, my friends die, so I can go out and do this. I'm not going to let the left scare me, you know. I'm not going to. Well, I, I know, and I respect the ones that back out because they're scared, but I'm not. I I, I really, I'm just going to do it. And
1: so you have, you said, three um, three cities as far well as organized for the yes. march.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, oh, um, what were those cities again?
2: Philadelphia, and then San Diego and Oceanside. We might have one in Austin, but I'm not confirmed on that. We oh. had way more cities, but everybody back up since Charlottesville.
1: Okay, and um, I guess if anyone wants to take part in that, well, what? Yeah, they where can, can they
2: go? DM me. They can DM me, or the website is marchforjustice.online dot online, but. They can DM me if they want.
1: What are the future plans you have coming up uh, for you?
2: Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, like I said, I'm moving and I'm uh, applying to different jobs in the two cities that I want to be, so we'll, we'll see uh, what comes out of that. But the nonprofit will be the number one uh, goal, help these women. And bets, you know, it's like it tickens me driving down downtown here and having, I mean, Patetco Park, there's so many homeless. It looks, I mean, I grew up in Colombia, and yeah, there are some areas that are bad, but like, this looks worse than anything I ever experienced in my life, and it sickens me, because California spends $25 billion on illegal immigration, and meanwhile, all these beds are dying on the streets, so I want to be able to help them, and those lodgers and can help them through the process if they have a problem with the VA, someone to advocate for them, and same goes for Star families. So that's that's my main goal.
1: Okay, and if anyone wants to see all those replies to those liberals or anything else you're doing, how can people connect with you on social media?
2: So it's at Republican on Twitter, and same on Facebook, but you add the USA at the end of you know, on Facebook, and then they can check Hispanic's uh, birthday internet hashtag and everything will be in there. You should start one, blacks for Trump. Blacks <laughs> break the internet and put pictures, and you will see how nasty they are. It's like we have to do that, play like them, and expose them. Once and for all, they stop using the racist characters. I'm, they're the races.
1: Yeah, I, I hear it all the time. It's nonstop. For, I mean, for me, I know also uh, I forget his name, but uh, he tends to be at all the, the Trump rallies. He tends to either be in the crowd or in the background when President Trump is speaking. So um, I know I definitely hear the hateful replies he gets from the so-called tolerant mm-hmm. you know, liberals out there. So,
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, so, I mean, I, I am glad to have you on and hopefully we'll get a chance to speak Thanks to you
2: Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good
1: day. Yeah, man. Thanks to him, and him for joining us. And that's pretty much it for this episode of Trend Chat. Just going to end it right here. Um, actually, we have another guest on for Thursday and I'm not even going to say who it is yet but if you have followed me on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere, like I said in the beginning, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or, or Twitter, it's all the same name, chat Twenty Four Seven. If you checked any one of those, you know who I may have on on Thursday. So I just leave it at that, so people can go to the social media pages, get some traction on there, I guess. <laughs> so that being said, until Thursday. We will chat with you later.
0: It happens but you can stop mother nature whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ed call metro men's health skip the pills and injections they're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time metro men's health treats the root cause of ed lack of blood flow so it works long term metro men's health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700.